Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is your girl Mitzi, and this is Mitzi. Let's think about it. Today, we are thinking about the stress of a first responder. Let's be honest, the stress of anybody in the pub and working in public safety is real. And luckily for me, I have an individual who knows firsthand the experience of working in public safety and knows the real stresses of it. Barry, thank you so much for coming on my show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. My pleasure to be here, man. Awesome. Awesome. And I guess the first question is, why do you think it's important for people to really think about the stress that people who work in public safety deal with? You know, why is that something that they should really take into consideration? Uh, great question. Uh, it is, unfortunately, such an integral part of the job. Uh, I believe unless you have been let's say a combat veteran, you don't really know what, what war is. Um, unless you have been a first responder, you don't really understand the depths of emotion that, that go along with it. Uh, many people, for example, probably have a concept, oh, there's a, a good side of town and a bad side of town and, and never the twain shall meet. And you see bad things all over. You see horrific things all over. And the state of mental health of first responders uh, contributes significantly to, for example, law enforcement, increased suicide rates uh, among police officers. Uh, for the other services, a significant burnout rate and turnover rate and you know instances of everything that comes along with stress and post-traumatic stress disorder yeah yeah i absolutely agree i think those are great points because people really need to see people who work as a first responder and in public safety like officers and they just need to see them differently because they experience traumatic events you know, very traumatic events that are unbelievable when you come across. And I think this is a great topic that I am so glad that you were able to share with me. But I guess my next point is, why did you write your book, you know, 911 Management? And why are you willing to share this information with the world? Well, I think there's probably any number of reasons, but Again, I have been in public safety since 19, uh, 1970, which wow. is a, a 53 year uh, tour. And although I am no longer running calls, I am doing consulting. Uh, and I, I get to, to sit and talk to people who are still active like every, every, every day. And, and I realize the pressures are there. So uh, my book is really targeted on. Well, I, I guess general management, there, there are the topics in that book that no matter what type of business you supervise or manage, I, I think are important to know. But it's really a firsthand look at the real world. I've seen so many texts out there that um, you know, deal with the theory of management and there's nothing wrong with them. Trust me, I'm I'm not saying that. It's good to have that background of hey, okay, at this level, here's where where things are. But I wanted to uh, approach it for somebody who's uh, 
been there, done that, seen the changes, and directly faced the challenges because all of those answers are not necessarily in the texts. Okay, I see. I see what you're saying. And I, th I think that's a, a good way for people to really understand what they might be getting themselves into. I guess, so I guess leading to my next question is what would be some good advice that you can leave someone off with that is possibly going into the dispatching in 911 or first responder, your firefighters, you know, public safety, you know, you know, what would you say to somebody who's thinking of going into a career like that? Oh, it, it's certainly worth it. And I think that the benefits outweigh the risk, but go in with a realistic ex expectation. When people call 911, it's not because they're having a good day. They are not inviting you to a party, uh, giving you a movie review, anything that you know is uplifting or or happy. Uh, it, it it's a problem. Uh, sometimes it's a, a a deadly problem. And one of the things you have to learn early on, and there are a lot of us who are type A plus 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 personalities who are control freaks who want everything to be a certain way who want to imagine that they are going to fix every problem out there uh and you know want to be the one to face that challenge and you can't you know remember that you are human uh, so many people I have seen suffer because they second-guess themselves horrifically. What if I'd have done that? What if that happened? And, and, and the bottom line is, I guess if you want to go back to the physician's oath, you know, first do no harm, you didn't start the problem. And most of what you're going to do, hopefully, is going to help the problem. So just just focus on it that way. So many people take these horrific calls onto themselves as if it's a part of part of their life. And while it's great to have some emotional engagement, because back when I started, you were told to have absolutely no emotional engagement, and that's that's not right. But you know, remember that you're there to help, and anything that you do is is, is likely going to help. Wow. I mean, that's kind of sad how in the beginning they told you to not basically put yourself in that situation. And But I think that I think you kind of need empathy to do that type of job, you know, to mm. just have that type of compassion. Wouldn't you say so? I mean, wouldn't that be a better oh, way to, yeah. to help people? And you have to remember that what I'm talking about is over a half century old now. The concept of mental health, the con and I will, will say to you that the mental health crisis in this country and the availability at, at street level of mental health care is the single biggest driver to, to calls at 911. Uh, but secondarily, you know, back in the day, it was, you just get the information, get on to the next call. 
Uh, now there are more questions being asked. There is a longer and often more personal interface between the call taker at 911 and the caller to the point that just recently um, a state, and there have been others, recognized that 911 uh, personnel uh, were entitled to mental health benefits, stress benefits based upon the rigors of the job. And several years ago, the University of Northern Illinois did a study that showed that 911 telecommunicators were subject to the same stressors as first responders actually on the scene. So that that awareness was not there in the 1970s uh, and, and for the field responders either. I mean, the concept of formalized debriefing, the concept of stress management, um, you know, the con, you know, the concept that, uh, you know, wait a minute, if, if a call affected you, you were, were too soft to be in this business because that's what you're getting paid for. Hey, what do you, you went to a car accident? Well, you know, you're, you're an EMT. What did you expect you're going to be doing with your time? So that that's changed. Thankfully over the years, there's more of a recognition now that, wow, there, there are some significant stressors that go with every position in public safety. Yeah, I, I can see that. And the when you were describing stress management, I mean, what was the best way for you to handle your stress going through everything that you were going through while you were working? Oh, uh, um, yeah. And again, I think it's, a critical point, and as you well know, it, it affects different people differently, and however you react is is, is right, is, is the right way to do it. And, um, you know, sometimes I suspect I didn't manage it, manage it, excuse me, as best as I could have. Um, I responded to a major incident back in 1972, and last year, on the 50th anniversary of it, because there was, uh, I think, fueled by there was so much press coverage of it back in the local press where I am from originally in New York that, um, you know, I wound up getting counseling uh, because it, it, 50 years later, was as clear as as it was, you know, when, when it happened. Yeah, so I would would say to people, uh, you know, engage in, in in other activities if you can. Step away when after there's a, a a call that distresses you, and just you know, take five, ten, fifteen minutes to, to clear your 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 mind. But I will also say, and this is something that I the public needs to understand, is that you know. Number one, in a 911 center, um, you may not know the outcome of the call because you are on to uh, another call and that's being handled by somebody in the field. And you don't, you know, unless you purposely go back and look for it later in the day, you may have no idea what, what's gone on with that. And, and secondary, same as a part of that, with the call volume that 911 centers are experiencing now and the and the, the short-handed staff in the latest figures, 82% of 911 centers in the U.S. are short-staffed. Um, you are on to your next call. If you've got a bad call, 
it's just that well, wait a minute, I'm going to go outside and go home and play with the dog and do the things that, you know, uh, de-stress me. Uh, you put that phone down, so to speak, and it starts ringing again and somebody else has got a problem that may even be a worse problem than you just dealt with. Yeah, I feel like you really have to have thick skin when doing that because I've heard in certain places, because my sister was a sheriff, and they offered for her to join the dispatch team. And she was just like, no, I was there one day shadowing and it was just so overwhelming and stressful. Like I was, I was feeling the stress for the people who were taking the calls because I, each call was different. Some, yeah, it was simple, no problem. One, two, three, it, it, it's handled. Others were very traumatic, just hearing the person on the phone screaming, crying, yelling I mean goodness like the emotions that she felt she was like it took the most out of me I, I felt like I had to sleep a whole day just to rejuvenate and I'm just like that's that's hard it is a hard thing to go through and you raise a, a great point as a you know 911 director I always wanted applicants to come in and sit for a shift in the center uh, rather they find out then that they're not suited for the position than after three months worth of, of, of training that could have been spent on, on, on someone else. But I have literally had applicants sit there for a couple of hours and just put down the headset and say, you know, sorry, this is not for me. Uh, I didn't realize we were going to take this kind of call. And all, all the power to them. Uh, you know, if, if you know now you're not suited, that's great. Not everybody is and there's no shame in, in walking away for something that you is going to make you that uncomfortable yes exactly and i think when you have that ability to acknowledge that's not for you versus forcing yourself in that situation you you, you might make a situation worse you know you might not get the help that may be needed for that person on time just because you weren't able to respond you're your, your flight fight and re a freeze response happened and you ended up just freezing, you know? So it happens. So it's it's good to know yourself before you actually take those type of positions. Most definitely, I agree on that. Yeah. And I think I, I'm really curious, is there a memory that really sticks with you and lives rent free in your mind that you had to experience while you were on the job, if you don't mind sharing with myself and my audience? No, and I think that's the, the, the one question that a lot of time first responders dread is when somebody says, uh, tell us your best call, your worst call. But uh, I've got any number of them. I mean, uh, when I was back as a 911 dispatcher, I know I was the last person who talked to a woman before she died in the fire. I mean, I, I, you know, that's one of the calls, but my absolute worst experience as a first responder was the call I was telling you about. Uh, I was 20 years old at the time, and a bus from the high school that I attended uh, got hit broadside by a freight train, and the, the bus was fully loaded. Uh, it, uh, killed five people, uh, injured 40 some odd more. And when I say injured, um, I mean, collectively the worst group of significant injuries I have ever seen in my entire career, 
bottom line, uh, I was out of high school at that point, less than two months. I, if I didn't know the uh, kids on the bus directly, I knew their older sisters and older brothers. I mean, these kids were, you know, uh, just two years behind me in, in, in school. Um, one of the children, I, I call them children, uh, I was a pallbearer for her because uh, I played sports with a couple of them who had got killed and knew their families, etc. So, yeah, I mean, without a doubt, and, and trust me, I've seen some significant other events but that that one has always and will always stick with me and again back then there there were no terms for what we experienced and no terms even for how we handled it Uh, as i look back with the level of training and resources we had we did a remarkable job in, in that we had you know roughly 50 victims cleared from the scene in 45 minutes and and off to the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, you you look at that, but, um, you know, nothing has ever uh, struck me so hard. uh, And at this point, I doubt that it will, and I hope that it wouldn't. But I tell people alternately, one of the worst days of my life but also one of the best days in my life in that when you are 20 years old, you are bulletproof. Uh, You don't think about consequences. You don't think about anything past what's happening now and maybe 10 minutes in the future. And boy, that had um, that single incident uh, changed my life. I had dropped out of college, wasted a full scholarship, um was kind of bumming around working at gas stations uh, post office here here and there uh by that july happened in march by july um i had gotten involved in the communication side of the sheriff's department uh i went back to school part-time on my own ticket got the degree and that's really what has led me down the road in my career, which was a combination of being a, a fire officer in three different states and a 911 director in four. And I don't know without that particular incident whether or not that would have happened. I really well, don't. To be honest, I'm so grateful for the fact that you were able to be so sincere with your experience that how you were honest and like, yes, this has really stuck with me and it was for the better as well as for the worse. And you were just straight honest with it because sometimes those traumatic events that still live with you till this day that may have happened years ago, they do really, I mean, they can really impact the directory of your life. And depending on how you see it determines the direction that you can go into. I mean, you could have spiraled, spiraled down and you, your life could have been way worse, you know, if you didn't switch your 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 your, your frame of mind and, and your thinking. So it's really nice to see that it didn't spiral you into the point where 
you didn't stay in in this field, you know, because you could have changed directly. I mean, you even said it, you went, you were working in gas stations, you dropped out of college, you know, I mean, it still impacted you. However, it didn't change the fact that you didn't want to help people anymore. You know what I mean? You still seeing that people were worth helping and, and worth, and worth saving and worth assisting in some way, shape or form, because to move to different states, usually people would be like, I'm done. I'm, I'm just absolutely done with it. That was the chapter that I'm closing and I'm over with it, but you decided to keep going and keep moving forward. And now you're doing consulting, you've written this book. I mean, that is truly an amazing testimony to have and to just to be able to share with people. And I thank you for coming on my show and sharing with, excuse me, with everyone who may be listening, because I think this is a topic that really needs to be to be needed and to be heard because I've had other, uh, I had another guest on my show talk about how community and, and public safety is needed because sometimes you don't have that outlet to speak to somebody about something so personal at work that like your your wives or your husbands or you know your your children or just your cousin your friends sometimes who don't work who don't work in this type of environment they're not going to understand why you acted and moved and 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 did what you did in this field and I think it's it's important to have this this community and the fact that you have yourself as an outlet is very very needed nowadays because nowadays people who work in public safety they get a bad rap you know they have this bad stigma over them and it's sad that they were looked at as a hero to now looked at as as bad as well somebody who who picks garbage with a dump truck you know what I mean and it's and it's not fair because it's just some human being just happened to work and that's their field you can find bad in any field you know, it's it's the it's the person. But what is your opinions on that before you officially um, wrap up the show? Uh, I think you make a, a real good point. And, and I am not naive enough to think that there are people in public safety who should not be in public safety. Let me let me start off with that. It's it's mm-hmm. it's a walk of life, and in any walk of life, you're going to find your sinners and your saints. Uh, a lot of what we do is very, very public, either by video or audio or is on the news 10 seconds with, with, with it after it happening, and sometimes not necessarily favorably edited uh, when you take a look at the entire story. One of the things that I have found is that, especially in the 911 side, you get guilt from association if there is a story published that there was a bad 911 call most people don't go any further than hearing 911 and immediately assuming it's their local 911 center mm-hmm. um i received a complaint about one of my folks once who coughed while she was on the phone and excuse yourself. I mean, she's talking all day. She coughs and somebody called. Oh, she laughed at me, this, that, and the other thing. And I played back the tape and it and it wasn't, but it came right on the heels of a terribly mishandled 911 call somewhere else. So people immediately, yeah, you know, it happens to police and everybody else immediately, oh my God, I saw, you know, this Rodney King incident. Oh, you know, all 
police officers are that way. Oh my God, you know, uh, it happens with with nine one one too. And you know, I would just say to the people who are close to the people in these helping professions is to understand what they go through. Uh, you you don't necessarily need to be the the counselor, the all hearing ear, because there are things that I would never share with my loved ones. Just, just, you know, just because, yeah. but, uh, you know, there's kind of a need for understanding. Hey, yeah, mistakes are going to be made. Uh, there's going to be bad people everywhere, but overall you don't have to look too hard to see the good that comes yeah, from it. Yeah. Most definitely. Thank you. Those are great words. Those are, this has been such a great conversation. Thank you so much, Barry, because you truly gave me something to think about and to continue to think about and truly give more appreciation to individuals who are behind the calls and, and behind the phone and just who are there just trying to just help, you know, because that's all that you're really trying to do is trying to find a way to get you help that you may need. You know, and once people realize that it's that simple, there's no vindictive motive, then people will be able to seek help that they actually need because we all are going to be needing help one way or another in our lives for us personally or for someone that we've loved or sometimes it's not even somebody that we know. It's a complete stranger that we come across and then it's like, I hope that they get help. Then you can be that person that helps that because that can be that middleman, you know, and I appreciate that you just coming in and just sharing your honest opinions and sharing us this this details because we need to really think about first responders and the people behind the calls most definitely differently. And if anybody in my audience that is looking to want to know more or maybe you are a first responder yourself or somebody who works behind the call, the phone and dispatching, you know, reach out to Barry or check out his book. You know, I was checking out his website and he really has some great content and great information excuse me, for anybody who is needing to know more, just needing an outlet outside of their little circle that may be feeling alone and isolated because of what they do, you know? This is a great way to feel like I'm not alone in this and I don't have to be alone in this. So go check out his website. I have his lovely photo on my website. Just, just click on there and it goes directly to his website. You can find everything more about Barry. But that's it. That's our show, y'all. Thank you again so much for coming on my show, Barry. You've been such a delight. And anybody, honestly, always, 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 always keep thinking. Bye.